0: With us. we're out of place. I'm doing fine, I'm feeling great. You're not my fan, you can't relate. Straight talk going state it's to state. Before you cross me, look both ways, leaving the scene with no trace, none in my lead You out of place. I'm not at the top. I'm out of space. You can't
1: eat with us, we're out of place. I'm doing fine, I'm feeling great. You're not my fan, you can't relate. Straight talk going state to state
2: your host your boy george mckay back at straight talk now this is the first or second week of march by the time this one will drop and man do i got a good one do i got somebody special you already know him he's got so many names hot fire the harbinger of truth the canadian belt collector with 40 plus championships in his 16 years that's unheard of a man who walks the walk who talks the talk and much like me speaks that straight truth please help me welcome back to straight talk wrestling jeremy prophet
1: how are you my brother I am feeling fantastic. I'm so glad to be here. Anytime I get to come on, not only with a great podcast host like yourself, one of the hardest working guys that I've seen in this game, but also a fellow Canadian, it is always a pleasure. I appreciate you giving me this platform. And I'm going to do my very best to entertain the people, to entertain you as well. I want to make sure that just like the last episode, this episode is also a five-star episode. And if that is the case, once it's all said and done, hey, that'll give you more five-star episodes than TNA. (laughs) One hundred and fifty
2: percent. So the great thing about our show, the concept that we have, is that you, everyone sits down with the mini host first, then they sit down with me. And the great thing is, is I always watch every interview she does because it gives me a chance to segue and to move into some more broader spectrum of questions. Now, when I introduced you, I introduced you as the Canadian belt collector because as you were talking to the mini host, and people will see as this as that'll drop the Saturday before ours drops on the Wednesday, forty plus championships over sixteen years. No days off, never been injured, thankfully. Luckily enough to have that break during COVID, but found a way to level up, much like myself. When COVID happened, I didn't want to stop. I went all in. I said, fuck it, I'm going to release content every single goddamn week because I want to make sure people out there, even though they don't have wrestling all the time, I want to make sure they can stay in contact with these heroes that they've come to admire. So when we talk about two-part question, let's talk about the belt collection first, but then let's talk about how you decided to level up and what you did over that COVID period to level up, to make yourself more incredible than you already are in and outside of the ring. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, that's a great question because for me, I can't imagine what life would have been like, what my career would have been like if COVID didn't happen. Because when you're in the hustle and bustle of wrestling week in, week out, and I try to do as many shows as possible. Like I've I've never the only reason I would ever say no to a booking is if I already have one on that day, and there's no possible way to fit in that second booking on the same day, which was what my schedule was like pre-COVID. Um, you know, for for whatever reason, I was very in demand and a lot of the companies decided to run the same days. So I was doing multiple weeks of Friday, two shows on Saturday, maybe the occasional Sunday. But, you know, I was just in the groove, in the groove, town to town, doing as much as I can because I love professional wrestling. Uh, i made no secret about it. I'm a very big wrestling fan, lifelong wrestling fan, um, very dedicated, hardworking wrestling fan. Like I've I've done road trips of, you know, 16 hours just to like see a pay-per-view back when I was a fan, uh, when I was, before I was wrestling. So like, you know, I'm a very big wrestling fan. I bring that same work ethic from my fandom to my wrestling because there's nothing else I'd want to be doing other than wrestling. I take the business very seriously and I almost feel like it rubs certain people the wrong way because they don't have the same work ethic. They're the kind of person who their, you know, their attribute points in life are more towards whatever their real job is or or towards family or towards other things. And wrestling is kind of this, you know, little side thing that they do. And when they see a guy like me, who's so dedicated to this, who literally every decision I make in my life is how can this help my wrestling career, whether it's, you know, what type of uh, things I'm going to do on the days I'm not wrestling, whether it's what kind of food I'm eating, whether it's, you know, the types of workouts that I'm doing, how I want to build my body, all these things, everything that I do, everything pertains to getting, to where I want to be in the world of professional wrestling. And it's a level of dedication that I think not everybody has. And so I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. They think, oh, here's this Jeremy Prophet guy. He thinks he's this and he's that. He dresses this way. He's you know always trying to, to outclass everyone and everything. But no, it's, it's a case of I work extremely hard and I'm very serious and dedicated and make the sacrifices to be able to do that that other people aren't willing to do. So it sometimes can rub people the wrong way. With that said, and just bringing it back to the initial question, when I'm in the moment, when I'm wrestling regularly, like I was before COVID, I don't have the time to sit back and just think and decide like what the next step is gonna be. What might be missing? What do I need to do to get to where I wanna be? And you know, I'll say it plainly, I'm not one to mince words that like, you know, I wanna make my living doing this. Uh, I wanna become you know, uh, financially secure. Ridiculously rich. Uh, if I become famous in the process, then, you know, okay. But uh, I'm personally believe that uh, rich and famous is not all it's cracked up to be. I think being rich and not famous is a lot more where it's at because you have a lot less headaches. But when it comes down to it, this is where I want to be. And not taking the time to think of what the next steps are along that path to get there was something I was missing because I was just wrestling and I felt that doing the wrestling would open the doors. But it's a little bit more strategic than that, especially being from Canada. And anyone who knows what I'm all about knows that as a Canadian, we have an uphill battle. So being able to be away from the game, but think about it. Being able to concentrate on expanding my knowledge and my brand, making more people know who I am. This is something that helped me a lot in doing podcasts, talking to people like yourself, taking the time to interact with fans out there, Uh, which is fun, but it's also good for me as my brand because more people get to know me, get to know what I'm about. And I tell you, George, uh, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've gone on podcasts and the person has said to me, I didn't know who you were as a wrestler. And seeing your wrestling, I figure I should have known who you were. But because I saw you on this podcast, I saw you do this interview, whether it was with George, whether it was on my show with JoFo, that made me want to look into you. And that's when I realized that wrestling has now become more about content creation, more about who knows who you are. And I've been someone who's always been, I think I've always been one of the best uh, in the country, one of the best in the world, if you look at my skill set. but people need to know who you are. You can't be like that tree falling in the forest and no one's around to hear it. So I had to make sure people were knowing who I was, but at the same time, I also wanted to come back and reinvent myself. I wanted to come back and show people, oh, he took the time off to come back even better. Physically, mentally, and in terms of the presentation of what you'd see. So I made sure I added a few things to my repertoire. Um, we had, you know, severe restrictions and lockdowns here and whatnot. I never took a day off. I still trained. I still was working out every day. Uh, just meant that, you know, you couldn't go to a gym. But hey, look, you know, I'm still going to find a way because I'm not going to be one of these people that's going to turn into a melted candle just because, uh, you know, you can't lift a weight for three, four months. So I made sure I came back in even better shape. Uh, did more dynamic types of training. Uh, I've always loved training. I've trained my body, uh, you know, 16 years, um, but did more dynamic uh, cross training types of tra- trainings, um, went on, you know, different diet plans. Uh, like I said, I'm very serious about this kind of stuff because you got to look the part. Uh, you got you to gotta dress the job you want not the job you have. So, you know, I want to look like a guy who's TV ready right out the gate, even if there's no one throwing down a multimillion dollar contract in front of me, uh, I'm still gonna look like that guy, irregardless. So yeah, these are the things that I did, uh, improved every facet of my wrestling and improved my visibility, my fan base, connecting with people. I think that was always a missing element. Um, I'm a very outspoken person, and I think I have a very engaging personality. I think people uh, either like what I have to say or will continue watching because they'll probably feel I'm a a few seconds away from saying something super controversial, Um, and and that's that's just who I am. So I took full advantage of this and just started talking and started making my voice be known because uh, I'm a person who... I take my place, you know, I don't, I don't let myself be intimidated by anyone. Like, uh, we did the thing with there just now with, with the mini host. And it's like, look, yeah, you guys want me to fight Josh Alexander. I'll fight Josh Alexander. I'll, I'll, I'll smack him around like a defenseless armless child. I don't care. that's that's who jeremy croft is jeremy croft is that guy who you know if if, if i'm in prison i'm going up to the biggest baddest guy i'm spitting in his face and i'm saying bring it because you know the world doesn't intimidate me you want me to be intimidated by something i'll be intimidated by um you know maybe uh if if i'm standing in front of a firing squad and these guys are going to blow my head off i'll be intimidated by that you know i'll be intimidated by you know maybe if a country wants to drop a nuclear bomb on us yeah that's something to be intimidated by um but when it comes down to it anyone with you know wants to come with two fists and two feet Look, I'll fight anybody, man. That don't intimidate me. And I think I'll more than likely get the better of them because I'm willing to go to that vicious, dark place that most people don't have deep down in their heart and soul. Same thing that pushes me forward in wanting to obtain the things I want in this business by any means necessary.
2: I like that. I like that. That's a great philosophy to have. And I think you're right. Two feet and a heartbeat and two fists. You want to come, you better come correct. And it's no point in backing down because that's what wrestling's all about. It's about stepping up, taking names and making everything grow and blossom. And that's one thing that I'll be honest with you. After the first conversation that we had, I knew a lot about you. Thanks to Joe Fo, and obviously looked you up and I hit you up because Frank, Frank was Frank was an easy connection for us and we set it up and it was a great first conversation. And to see, um, you know, I I steal this from Holden Albright all the time, a great wrestler out here in Ontario level up moments. And you've had so many over the course of this pandemic, which we are finally, hopefully at the tail end of Uh, some of those interviews that you did were phenomenal watching them and how you handled yourself and conducted your questions made me, Uh, rethink about my strategy and about what I did because I'm not always one to be like, how did you fall in love with wrestling? That was my early stuff. That was how I kind of came to be. But now it was like, you know what? I'm not even going to, I'm going to do my research. I'm going to kind of pick my points, but I'm going to let the conversation flow. And once I realized I want to have conversations, not interviews, everything changed for straight talk. Everything moved in in a favorite direction because then it stopped becoming so professional and became like two people just discussing the business and the passion That they love and one of my favorite interviews that you did with jofo that i really felt pulled back the curtain in a lot of ways was um especially with the red tape issues that canadian wrestlers have was you talking to speedball mike bailey and veda scott that was a great conversation and that was something that really helped me probe a lot of questions whenever i spoke to canadian talent about what we need to do here to make things easier we're not going over there to steal jobs we're not going over there to steal spots We're going over there to earn spots to get those opportunities because we don't have that digital media platform out here. We've got great promotions, but let's be honest when it comes down to it, the closest thing we have here as a mainstream promotion, which is based off their roster is impact wrestling because there's a lot of Canadian representation there. But other than that, Canadian representation in wrestling is very little. And when it comes to a guy like you now steering the ship, in my opinion, that's going to not only kick the doors open, but it's going to start the flames of a revolution that should have happened a very
1: fucking long time ago. Would you not agree? I I wholeheartedly agree. And the thing is, is I never wanted to be an activist. I never wanted to be uh, a leader or anything like that. This is not a, a, a we, it should be a we movement, but this was always a me movement. This was always like, I'm going to do this, whether you support me or not. I've always been a person who has never been afraid to express myself. You know, it's the thing of like, yeah, you want to hate on me? You can hate on me. All I ask is, you're going to hate on me? Just say it to my face. Please, have the courage to bring any criticisms directly to me, to my face, if you have something you want to say negatively. I could have the entire country of Canada not supporting me. And between you and I, you know, I've received some negative, but I don't care. Because, again, I I think that I'm a pretty aggressive person by nature. I'm, I'm I'm a violent aggressive person. I'll make no bones about it. Uh, I'm not a pacifist. I'm not a sit back. I like confrontation. I like someone who's going to bring a fight to me because I'll bring a hell of a fight to them. And usually 99.9% of the time they end up melting because it's why I don't lose. You know, when you're willing to fight until you win, you'll never lose. And that's what I believe in my heart. I'll fight to my dying breath, but I never asked to be a leader of movement. I never wanted to be an activist. Uh, I had, you know, talked with PCO. I always found this funny that he he coined a, a term that I kind of like because he said that, you know, I could be like the Malcolm X for uh, the Canadian wrestlers mm-hmm. uh, in this, in the, on the world stage. And, you know, and I kind of like that because uh, I think Malcolm X is somebody he was he was hated and disliked, um, much like Muhammad Ali, when he spoke out about a lot of you know, black rights and being able to uh, kind of, you know, take what is rightfully theirs by any means necessary. And he was hated at the time, but beloved in history. And some of the you know people who had the biggest influences on revolutions were hated in the moment, but history would go on to remember them favorably. I really believe it just takes someone to get the ball rolling and say, this isn't right. Because people will say, look, it's just the way it is. Yeah, all these guys that have made it in, in, in big companies in the United States. I see you're wearing a, a Kevin Owens t-shirt, I, I think. You know, guys like Kevin, they, they made it not because of what they did In IWS in Montreal or, you know, in C4 in Ottawa, they they made it because of what they did in the United States, which by definition is is illegal. And people don't bat bat an eyelash at that. But when it comes down to it, that's not the way it should be. We should not have companies like the WWE, big Fortune 500 billion dollar companies, companies, you know, with executives that will have made more money in a calendar year than you and I may make in our entire lives, um, saying that, oh, the protocol to work for us is... Go and work illegally. Go work on the American independence scene because we're hiring guys out of, uh, you know, Evolved and PWG and GCW and all these places. Go work there illegally. Can't help you with that, but do that and build your merits there. And then maybe we'll allow you to do some legal work with us. Now, WWE recently changed their hiring protocols. They're not uh, hiring independent wrestlers anymore, which I guess speaks to the ass backwards, asinine, stupid the business protocol that they have now, but before that's how they're hiring guys. The problem was Canadians can't go and do that legally. So how a big company can do that and be oblivious to the struggle we have here as Canadians, rather than saying, we're going to go look at Canada. We're going to go look at the top promotions. We're going to go look at the guys who have a buzz, the guys who are doing good business, main eventing and bring them here, knowing that they can't take the same path as the Americans. That would have been the way to do it. Unfortunately, what they're saying is, work illegally, and that's how you're going to make it. And, you know, to me, it's like, imagine if someone said, oh, you know, um, well, these, these black folk are slaves, so uh, that's just the way it is. Let's, let's, hey, that's just the way it is. When people say to me, hey, look, it's just the way it is, I say, to them, no, it's the system that has to change. It's the wrestlers who need to make noise about this, talk about this, so the fans can rally behind it, so the big companies can hear it, so that the Tony Khans, the, the Vince McMahons, if he if he even gives a shit, uh, and the Scott Demores, they can hear about this, know about this, and scout Canada so we don't have to go risk getting banned, getting criminal charges against us to do this sport that we love. And so this has been my crusade. It's been to say the system is broken, we're going to fix it, And if if no one's going to rally behind it, fine. I'll do it myself. I don't care. I'm an educated man. I got a lot of fight in me. Uh, I think I'm one of a kind in this industry. And maybe I'm the only guy who can verbalize it in layman's terms that everybody can understand. But there's something systemically wrong with how Canadian wrestlers are treated on the world stage and it needs to change. And I'm glad that you give me this platform to come on here, talk about it. And I'm glad that more people are rallying behind it, but with or without their support, I'll do it myself if I have to. That's just the way I am. 150% and I'm right there with
2: you. But the minute you started mentioning those things, I start opening my eyes and I started doing my research. And you're right, it's illegal. Criminal charges can happen. Jail time can happen, but people don't talk about that. People don't talk about what Canadians have to face just as for some people go an hour or two or four hours across the border just to do a gig. And it's like, sometimes you're not even wrestling for money. You're just wrestling for the exposure, but that mindset is blocked. Everyone involved in these situations has huge tunnel vision. And you're also right about people with the negative stuff. I've had a lot of people come to me and say, I'm too aggressive. I'm too loud. I'm a little bit obnoxious when I post, but they've never been able to say it to my face. They're very quick to go in a group chat and start to try to single somebody out. I'm not going to mention names. I'm going to leave that off the table, but I wish I'm one of those people. You hate me. I'm okay with that because hate and love, all that does is add fuel to my fire. But if you're willing to come to me, even in a private message, come to me and say, listen, this is what I think of you. Cool. I respect you. Deuces. Best of luck in your life. I'll stay in my space. You stay in yours. There's, you've said your piece. Now I'll say mine and we could go our separate ways. Not everyone in this world is going to like each other. Cause if he did, Jeremy, would there be any war? No. Would there have been any struggles in life? No. So hate is a part of life, but the fact is, it's how you mold that hate. And all those, all those times I've had those negative responses. Just fed the fuel to my fire. I had somebody call me fat and bald. Oh my God. Tell me something. I don't know. Yes. I'm a chubby motherfucking Canadian. I smoke weed. And when I smoke weed, I eat a lot of food. And yes, my hairline is thinning. Why is that? Cause I have two beautiful daughters who drive me fucking crazy, but it's okay. Cause I'm a girl dad and I love it. But you want to call me fat and bald? Duh. Don't tell me something. I don't already fucking know. You know what I mean? Tell me something new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm right there
1: with you, George. I think that's why you and I get along so well because we share that in common. We have that same aggressiveness, but also assertiveness that if somebody has an issue with us, we can take through it. And I think that that's, that's half the battle. Half the battle is ignoring the haters, putting on those blinders and knowing, this is what I'm going for. And no one is going to deter me off that path. And that's exactly how I am. I dare anyone to try because believe me, you're going to be in for one hell of a fight if you want to pick a fight with me. And I'm going to steamroll through anybody who stands in the way of me doing something good for this country and for the wrestlers here. Absolutely, and I,
2: I, I'm I, right there with you. I, I'm on the crusade. And another thing we got to talk about, what, what, what was cool during COVID, what changed was representation. Representation of different colors and nationalities within the sport. We got to see a lot of changing of the guard. It wasn't just the, you know, this type, this body type, this type of wrestler, this person. We got to see a lot of different aspects. And even though we've seen a lot of changing, there's still more room to do. For example, Shane Taylor was great representation in ROH. We both had him on the show. He's a fantastic person. Also, Bobby Lashley's had a couple great runs. Kofi Kingston, Big E. Wasn't the greatest first-time championship run he had, but still fantastic nonetheless because it was building... On platforms now, I know you have had some battles with Jeremy. Or Jeremy yes, you've had battles with yourself. No, I know you've had some battles with Bobby Lashley and stuff like that. And also, I want to get into the Black Quebecois because I think that's a fantastic tag team. But in terms of Bobby Lashley now going on these two title reigns during COVID. What is that for you in terms of it not only igniting a fire because you've been in the ring with Bobby Lashley. You've had moments with Bobby Lashley. You've taken the fight to Bobby Lashley. And like you said, you may not always win, but who wins at the end of the day at every event, it's the fans. So you've put on shows, but when you see Bobby Lashley having two title reigns during this time period, what does that mean for you? Especially in the fact that the landscape of wrestling
1: is changing for the better in certain ways. Well, I get asked this a lot lately, and I mean, to me, it goes back to Bobby Lashley's first run. In, in 2007, I felt they should have pulled the trigger on Bobby Lashley then, and I mean, I think about it, and I'm like, that was such a huge moment, because it, it just blew my mind that if you take The Rock out of the equation, that The Rock, you know, he's half black, half Samoan, uh, black Canadian, too. I, I believe Rocky Johnson is actually the number one uh, black Wrestler to come out of Canada. Uh, and, and, and I hope to actually surpass him one day. Uh, whether that happens or not, it's neither here or there. But uh, definitely got a lot of respect for Rocky Johnson. Now, when it comes to the rock, Rock's about as black as me. Um, you know, my, my, my mother's black, my father's white. Um, but uh, other than him, it shocked me that with all the great black wrestlers to come through the WWE or the WWF, there had not been a an African-American champion. And I really felt Bobby Lashley was going to be that guy in 2007. I think they made a big mistake not pulling the trigger on him and having him beat John Cena. Uh, I recently saw him on Austin's Broken Skull Sessions, and he said that he felt he was really green at the time. And, you know, he couldn't believe people thought he was going to win. But to me, they put the belt on much greener people. I mean, the, the, the great Kali was a world champion in WWE. And I don't think anyone will argue that the great Kali was in any way a better wrestler or worker than Bobby Lashley at any time during their respective WWE careers. So to me, and I mean, I was there, you may have been there too. I was at the show in Toronto where they were setting up that pay-per-view between Lashley and Cena. There was a match with John Cena, Bobby Lashley against Shane McMahon, the great Kali, and Umaga. And that place was going nuts for Bobby Lashley. They were booing the hell out of Cena. And I remember Lashley, Spears, Cena, after they went off the air, biggest pop of the night, he was ready to be champion then. And for me, it was a big moment. I remember going with my dad. I, would, I would rarely, usually I just watch the take reviews myself, but I remember going with my dad to watch this at a, a bar just down the street from where we live, because I wanted to see the crowning of a first black African-American WWE champion. And I remember we were both disappointed when it didn't happen. Um, but then Lashley, you know, he'd find his way. He, he, he did what not a lot of wrestlers are willing to do. There are only so few, like Lashley, like Drew McIntyre, like Jinder Mahal, who would leave the company, go to the independents, become even better, level up, as you said. And then along the way, also meet Jeremy Prophet and have a hell of a weekend and an awesome match uh, that I still remember to this day. Uh, it was me and RJ City against Bobby Lashley, and Harry Smith, hell of a match that we had. And what a gentleman Bobby Lashley was. What a, man, I can't say enough good about him. Just so um, down to earth and his attitude when we went into that match. Uh, Even the way the match came about, like I love telling this story. Um, We had done a show the day before. I wrestled Johnny Devine on a show in, I think it was Brantford, Ontario. Uh, Lashley wrestled, uh, Carlito and it was Lashley and uh, who's him and Harry, I think against Carlito and, and RJ. And so that night, like I went to pick up Lashley at the airport. We're riding together the whole day and everything. Uh, we're talking about, uh, mixed martial arts. We're talking about his career. We're just having a good time. Just me and him in the car, having a good time. We picked up Carlito, uh, we're hanging out and then I wrestled Johnny Devine on that show had a hell of a match with divine. He's someone who, uh, you know, I owe a lot to, he was always very nice and gracious to me at the start of my career. I got tremendous respect for him. Great Canadian. Uh, we had a hell of a match. I remember Lashley coming up to me after and he had watched the match and he's like, man, like you're really good. He's like, you're just, just, you know, I look at you and like, you look like you're kind of a pretty boy. Like, you know, you got a good body and you, you, you know, you're, you're very, very handsome and stuff. But when you get in there, you're like, you're such a, just a vicious piece of shit, man, like, you're a, and that was literally what he said, he said, you're like a, like a vicious piece of shit, and then, and then he's, (laughs) and then he said how, like, he's like, you know, you almost should change your gimmick, you know, you, you just, you look too pretty for the style that you wrestle, and I'm trying to explain to him that, like, that's the, that's the charm, I think, of Jeremy Prophet is that you, you don't know what you're gonna, you don't know what to expect, because, yeah, I do come out, and I try to, I try to look good, I take pride in my appearance, very proud of the way I look, but, also, I mean, I want I want people to know that, like, you mess with me. It, it's going to be vicious and violent and maybe uncomfortable. Keep in mind, you know, nobody's had more matches with uh, Hannibal, the blood hunter, than, than Jeremy Prophet. Uh Nobody, you know, I fought Bobby Lashley. I fought Lance Archer. I, I love going in there and fighting the biggest, baddest, toughest. Put me in there with guys that everyone else is scared to fight. I'll go in there and I'll show you, like, you know, hey, look, I know how to fight. I know how to handle myself. I don't care if you're bigger than me. I don't care what kind of reputation you have. You know, I I know what to expect, but you don't know what to expect with me. I'm an unpredictable, violent son of a bitch. So when it comes down to it, Lashley gave me that compliment about my style. I was just like, wow, like this is coming from Bobby Lashley. This guy's as legit as they come. And I really believe, you know, him and Brock Lesnar, we saw them wrestle recently, but you put those two in a cage, I'm sorry. Bobby Lashley. He puts Brock out in the first round. I, I, you know, I look sor- sorry, to all you Brock Lesnar fans. Bobby Lashley will put out Brock Lesnar knockout submission, most likely a knockout because Brock don't like getting hit knockout first round. And I would put big time money on that happening because Bobby Lashley is just that good. And just that much of an animal, all that to say, the next day we're on a show in Barry, uh, I'm actually scheduled to work with Carlito and On our way there, Lashley's talking about how his neck is kind of sore. He had told me that he was doing some grappling um, before even doing the show the day before and that his neck was kind of messed up. And so it kind of got aggravated a bit in the match that he did that day. And then the next day, we're at this show where he's supposed to wrestle Harry Smith. And he says to me, he's like, man, he's like, you know, Jeremy, I really would like to work with you. Just what I saw last night. And he's like, I really want to work with you. So he goes to the promoter and he says... You know, I was thinking, uh, is there any way I can work with Jeremy tonight? And the promoter's like, well, you know, we've been building this match with you and Harry Smith. We really want to, we've got to deliver on that. And he says, okay, well, maybe we could do something like Harry and I start the match. You know, we're both baby faces anyways. And then maybe like Jeremy and someone else can like come in and attack us. And it can like turn into a tag match, that kind of thing. And the promoter who, you know, to his credit, promoter was always very good to me. Someone who was very high on me and my work. Um, he said, well, maybe we could do it, but it it might be tough. We're going to have to, you know, convince Harry. And, uh, I I don't know if if, 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 like, you know, the people might not go for it. So then Lashley just looks at him and says, let me tell it to you like this. My neck is kind of sore. I don't really feel like wrestling. So, um, I think either I wrestle Jeremy tonight or, uh, maybe I just take the night off. And I think at that point that was, that was checkmate. That was game, set and match. And then we end up having the match and I'll never forget We're we're going over everything. And he was just like, man, you know, what do you want to do? Give, give me, give me your moves. Let's, let's do the stuff that you want to do. Like he was, he was all about me. And then I remember they lay out the match and he says to Harry, he's like, Harry, you know, I think it's uh, I think this is kind of bogus, man. Like this finish that they want us to do. We're like, you know, we hit our finishers. How about like we do the comeback. We go like we're gonna hit our finishers, and then we just have Jeremy and RJ just like roll us up one, two, three, and like, you know, we put them over. Let's put them over instead. This <laughs> is like, so now he's he's
0: politicking
1: <laughs> to have me go over on him and stuff, to have us win. So I mean, I just can't say enough good about Bobby Lashley. In and out of the ring, uh, this guy is he is what a professional wrestler should be. He, I like, man, I don't think there's anybody. I would like to me, my favorite guy to watch in WWE, uh, and the guy I'd love to wrestle is AJ Styles. but to me, Bobby Lashley is just the, the 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 prototype of what a professional wrestler should be, a professional, not even a professional wrestler. This guy that could could murder anyone on the entire roster and is willing to make anybody look good. Even a guy like me that he just met on the independence for two days. So can't say enough good. And especially for what he's done for the black community. Uh, such a great representative. Uh, you know, not a guy who's gotta, you know, go around and like uh, cuss in interviews and you know, carries himself like a professional, a family man. Uh, can't say enough good about Bobby Lashley. And um, you mentioned, you know, guys like Shane Taylor also. Can't say enough good about that guy too. One of my favorite interviews, um, a guy who I really feel is fighting the same battles south of the border that I'm fighting here in Canada. I, I kind of consider my tag team Black Quebec, but well, we're kind of like, you know, like, like, like a Shane Taylor production's north, if you will. Because we're fighting the same kind of fight, and he's a guy just like me. Tells it like it is, and he's not scared to say things that'll shake up the establishment. That'll that'll make old whitey go go running scared in his boots. You know, it's uh, he's the kind of guy who knows that he may not be someone who will get featured unless he pushes the envelope. And I feel I'm very much the same way. I feel people might say, "Oh, that Jeremy, oh, he's he's too controversial." Oh, he, he doesn't, you know, look the way we, we, we want a, a champion or a main eventer to, to look, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't check a lot of the boxes. I think I check every damn box up there and I won't be shy to tell you. And, you know, when it comes down to it, people will try to bend a narrative. People will try to say, oh, you know, this guy is a top guy. This guy is a top guy. And I say, okay, you know what? They ain't a top guy until they step in the ring with me. That That's it. You if, if You can be undefeated. You can be undefeated, but if you've not faced me, you're not truly undefeated. So yeah, Shane Taylor and I, we share a lot in common. Uh, I kind of think of, hey, look, if I was born in uh, Brooklyn instead of being born in uh, LaSalle, Quebec, uh, hell, you know, Shane Taylor and I, maybe we'd be tag team partners. But uh, right now we got to fight our fights on our respective sides of the border and make sure that we can make this a better place for all of us and, you know, do it like the banner says over here, you know, we're doing it strictly for the culture. That's what it's all about. It was a great shot of that. Absolutely. uh, I believe in that. I believe in that wholeheartedly. You know, we got to fight for change. we got to fight for equality and representation. As much as Canadians, as much as Black people, as much as Indigenous, uh, you know, these are things that I'm very outspoken about, that there should be more wrestlers of race and of color throughout Canada. You know, it doesn't make sense to me that, you know, okay, Rocky Johnson, greatest Black wrestler in Canadian history. Uh, Throw Abdullah the Butcher in there, love him or hate him. You know, he's done some Pretty bad things, but he's achieved a lot in wrestling. So, Abdullah the Butcher. But then from there, where do you go? You know, Sweet Daddy Siki. Um, you know, Jeremy Prophet. Uh, I mean, there should be a lot more great black wrestlers in Canadian history, but, but there aren't. And I think that that's the problem. I want to be able to inspire black kids, people of color in the audience to see a guy like me in a main event as a champion. But when you go to a show and it's just whitewashed and, uh, you know, you don't see someone that looks like you, what's going to inspire you to want to be a part of this business? So I think that's the problem. There's not enough representation. It's why let's say a young black kid would be more inclined to go play football, basketball, baseball, than to go play hockey. Because even the NHL is whitewashed. They're starting to slowly integrate people. But when it comes down to it, this is something that should have been done a long time ago. If you don't see yourself represented in something, The same way, like in wrestling, if, hey, a black person can't be WWE champion, which was the way it was for so long, why are people of color gonna wanna go into wrestling just to be bit part players, to be curtain jerkers and opening match guys? You have to be able to see representation at the highest level. And that's something else that I fight for. That's why I wanna go all across Canada and I wanna be able to inspire and show that, hey, it just so happens that maybe the best wrestler in Canada might actually be a person of color. Now, God forbid, God forbid, I I shake up the establishment and, uh, you know, make people have to question the way this has been uh, told to them for so long. But that's exactly what I want to do. I want to be the best wrestler in Canada and show that, hey, the best wrestler in Canada can be someone of color. And all these companies, you know, people talk about AEW, they don't have any black main eventors. Hell, maybe it's because they haven't come to Canada because there's this guy waiting for them right here that checks all the boxes, that has the look, that has the speaking ability, and most important of all, has the wrestling ability to be able to be that main eventer, champion, and future Hall of Famer. And isn't that just it
2: right there? It's simply those three key boxes. There's, there may be a little bit more underneath the surface, but those are the three key boxes that every company looks for. And you're right. There needs to be more of those things. There needs to be more of them. AEW does need to get their asses north of the border to see what we're about. Now they said, you know, during COVID it was supposed to happen and it's been postponed, yada, 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 yada. All that to me is smoke and mirrors till they actually get their asses over here. But one interesting point you brought up, especially with the mini host, and I always say give credit to her for her segues, is we definitely do want to see you here in Ontario i want to see you in the six i want to see you all over the place and a lot of those companies you mentioned are affiliated with and believe me your boy has been pushing i've been a prophet for jeremy Prophet out here as often as i can i've been affiliated with hwe i have been putting the bug in ac and dave's ear for a long time ice man and i had a brief conversation about it trust me the bug is there anybody that i can speak to i have and i can assure you that i mentioned you to rip impact and stuff like that when we were at the hwe shows because i'm the commentator for them now I'm also affiliated with another promotion out here called New Frontier that's just starting up. And believe you me, I have put my word in. Now, the thing about New Frontier is, though, not breaking kayfabe, nobody knows who the matchmaker is, Jeremy, but I have tweeted. I have tweeted and I've said, matchmaker, slide into my DMs because I've got some people I need to talk to you about. He hasn't got back to me yet. So I'm hoping on day one of my first day of the job, I'll be able to find out who this matchmaker is. But until those points, believe you me, I have put the word in because I think you check all the boxes. I think you're fantastic. And your body of work speaks for itself. Now, I do want to talk about the tag team stuff briefly before we get back into Ontario. But- You've been a singles guy majority of career. And as you told the mini host, this just was the perfect storm. You met him in 2011, your tag team partner. You run into him in 2019. The black Quebec was born. How did it feel being a singles wrestler for so long and transitioning now into a little bit more of a stable tag team wrestler? Because it's not always easy to find that chemistry. People, they don't know that there's that mind link without words. You have to be able to know what each other's thinking. Yep.
1: Well, just to be clear, I am still a singles wrestler. I have mm-hmm. not given up on singles wrestling.
2: 100%. 100%. Um, I,
1: so, so, like I said, I think I'm the most eclectic guy in Canada. And, again, I make a lot of bold claims. I'm sure anyone who watches this and sees me and has not seen one of my matches or any of my body of work, they're going to say this guy is is, uh, is is so arrogant and thinks he's something else. And And, look, but trust me, I deliver. I'm not the kind of person who has to hype up things to overcompensate. I have no insecurities. I know a lot of independent wrestlers are probably very insecure. Uh, I'm not the guy who has any kind of insecurity. I know how good I am because I train to be this good. I train to be talented. The great George St. Pierre once said, you put in the hard work when you're in training, when you're in the gym, so that when the fight comes around, you can be on cruise control. You can be on autopilot and your work will carry you throughout it. That's my mindset. I work very damn hard to be as good as I say I am. Just like when Bret Hart would say he was the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And he showed it every time. Well, that's me. You can take your your favorite wrestler, whoever it may be. I I am better than they ever have been and better than they ever will be because I work hard for it. And I want to check every single one of those boxes all the time. So singles wrestling, tag team wrestling, that's where I realized, look, I've been doing a lot of single stuff, heel, baby face. I do it all. I'm versatile. I'm eclectic. You know, I'm in a multi-man match and it's like, Hey, we need a guy to do a big dive. That's me. We need a guy to take a big bump. That's me. We need a guy to, you know, do some kind of a a spot involving three people, multi-man, whatever. Look, I I can do it all. I'm the the most versatile guy. I'm a utility player. Um, You know, I'd be like a switch hitter in baseball and a guy can play every position. That's me. I literally did track and field and I did eight events because I like being good at everything. i am probably been a hell of a decathlete for uh, for Canada if I put my mind to it. But uh, when it comes down to it, tag team wrestling was another missing piece of the puzzle where I said, I want to be just as good as a tag team wrestler as a singles wrestler. So that's that was a challenge for me where I said, I want to take this on. I want to find, I found a good partner. I think this guy is uh, a great partner for me complements my skill set really well, and I can bring out the best in him. And now let's try this tag team thing. Let's try and understand the psychology of tag team wrestling, telling these interesting stories, but now as two instead of just as one. And so that's where it came from, the Black Quebecois. And I think also our story is such a great story, and it hasn't even been fully told yet. But there's so much truth behind the story that we're doing and changing people's mindsets because they put us together. And I really think it was kind of a, okay, well, we'll let Jeremy have this team just to shut him up because he's lobbying for this guy. And I like that. I like that. And this goes to all those promotions you mentioned there, you know, Iceman and uh, HWE, all these companies out there. If you guys want to just shut Jeremy profit up, just, just give me a chance because I feel that a chance can be a chance to succeed or a chance to fail. And I've rolled the dice at the highest level in this company, Uh, stood toe to toe with Johnny Ace. I I don't sweat nobody. I've stood toe to toe with Vince McMahon. Nobody worries me. Like I said, if you're going to be pointing a a nine millimeter at my head, that that might worry me. But, you know, it's just going to be me and another human being, another guy who puts his pants on one leg at a time. Okay. Lay down the challenge. Say, this is your thing. We'll give you a shot. Put up or shut up. Show us you're as good as you say you are. I, I I'm not in the business of dropping balls. I'm in the business of, of, of running and scoring touchdowns. So that's what it was with me and Carl Jepson. It was we're putting you together. Let's see, let's see what you guys can do. And they put us together, threw us in there with TDT. You know, I don't need to I don't need to big them up because everyone knows TDT. In my opinion, probably the top team in Canada. I know because I'm the guy who put them together years ago. So they put us in there with them. We do a great match. This was just at a, an outdoor festival. It was at Heavy Heavy Montreal, which is a heavy metal festival here. Uh, did an amazing match. But what pissed me off was that the match wasn't filmed for TV. It was a great match. But what happened was the TV guys decided, oh, we want to show up a little bit later to the event. And this match was earlier. So it didn't air on TV. And they were tag team champions at the time. So we had this great match that never will see the light of day. So from there we ended up doing another match and it was another match that happened uh, again with TDT and they didn't, they didn't film it for TV. So in my head, I'm like, we're doing these matches. We have great chemistry with these guys and they're not showcasing it. Like no one's capitalizing on it. The fans are loving it, but they're not capitalizing on the story. I'm like, do they just not want to showcase us? What's the deal? And then it's like, look, I'm not on posters. I'm not on, uh, you know, promo packages, all these kinds of things. They want to, they want to push their French boys because, you know, there's a, what can I say? The French media here in in Quebec, when it comes to following wrestling are very biased. And if you're not a a, a white French speaking first language guy, and I speak perfect French, but you're not a white French guy, they're going to want to put the screws to you. So they have their biased narratives, even though a lot of these guys are just, they look like, uh, like, like, like children with beer bellies and, uh, just like malnourished little little oomphaloompas. And they want to push these guys like they're world beaters. When the fact is, if any of these guys were to go on TV and stand up next to Roman Reigns or next to Hangman Page, they they would just they, they'd be a laughing stock of the wrestling community. So you have a guy like me who's a real killer who could go in, go toe-to-toe with any of those guys, smack Roman Reigns around like a little bitch, and you know, have my way with Hangman Page if I wanted to. But they want to showcase these other people. So that became my narrative. It's like, why don't you want to showcase us? I'm just as Quebecois. Jetson is just as Quebecois as anyone else, except because maybe we don't look like your stereotypical image of what a Quebec person looks like. You're not going to showcase us. Well, you know what? Screw that. Because winning is what matters. Us going in there and kicking ass is what matters. And that's what we're going to do. But far be it for us to support a company that's not going to support us. And then it became real personal. Then it became real heated. And we used this to fuel us up, to fire us up. And we went in and we won the tag titles. Now, we went in and we won the tag titles. Um, You know, we we wanted, TDT were the fan favorites. But then coming back from the pandemic, now it was time for the rematch. We went in, we beat them again. And the crowd started siding with us. I guess through all the good work I've been doing and getting my message out there, The crowd, some people say they turned TDT turned on the people. That's not what happened. The people turned on them because they wanted us to win. And you can go. The match is on JoFo. The crowd, you can hear the Black Quebecois chants, the Let's Go Profit chants. You know, they were turned on our side, and now the role's kind of reversed. TDT had to start resorting to some underhanded tactics and whatnot. Basically, what we did is we exposed them, and we exposed to the audience that, yeah, we've been held down. And it's like why are these guys not the ones to represent quebec and it's like i said black quebecois comes from hey look is it because we don't vote for the Black quebecois that we're not just as 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 quebecois as anyone else i'm like hey we don't vote for the Black quebecois we might as well be the black quebecois because we are quebec we are quebec and the only separation is going to be when we separate those tag titles from those two idiots in tdt so i think we found something that that really hit home with people and now we're the top act in the company And it fits with my crusade because again, we're fighting for a better tomorrow. We're fighting for people like us to be represented and be accepted that it's not about race, career, color. It's about, we're all Quebecers. It doesn't matter what you look like. We all have the same struggles day in, day out. Just like here in Canada with the wrestlers, we all have the same struggles. So we should have that equal representation and we should be working together to fight our real enemy, which I think is still the American border and getting opportunities. So, yeah, to all those companies out there, you want in on the crusade, you know, you want to bring in the Black Quebecois, you'll get a hell of a tag team, you'll get a hell of a show, and uh, I think you'll definitely, once it's all said and done, get your money's worth. So get in on the ground floor, because I know I'm moving on to bigger things, brighter spotlights and bigger stages. So when they go back and they make the Netflix biography of the story of Jeremy Prophet fighting for justice for Canada, I think you'll want to be able to get your credit in there, and you'll want to be able to be showcased as being someone who was on the right side of history. So that's my plea to all those promoters. Get in on this, let's work together. Let's do some good business. Let the history books remember you as being on the right side of the war. Absolutely.
2: man. if they do a biopic on you, I hope, I really hope that I think there's only two actors that could really do justice to me and my small little bit part. I think it would be Seth Rogen or Jonah Hill. I think more Seth Rogen. I think Seth Rogen. I think Seth Rogen uh-huh. could really bring out the inner George. I really do.
1: I could totally see that. I don't know who could play me. Maybe um, maybe uh, the guy who did uh, Apollo Creed there, or, or Killmonger. Oh,
2: Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, all right, all right, yeah.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Him or, uh, or maybe the guy who did Dr. Dre in uh, Straight Outta Compton.
2: Uh, now, you know what? That that I actually think fits a little bit more for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that. well, there, you know what? Hey, listen, Hollywood... If you're if you're waiting, we've already cast half the movie for you. I'm only in it for like 30 minutes total, but we've cast it already. We've totally cast it, okay? William H Macy, Frank Jofo. done. Box is checked.
1: <laughs> it's ingenious.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about wrestling. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Go ahead. No, I was going to say it's funny I say that Dr. Dre reference because I don't know if I, if I mentioned it on your show, but like my biggest influence when it comes to promos and whatnot is actually Ice Cube. Um, but I draw a lot of inspiration from the world of hip hop. Uh, I think that hip hop and stand up comedy actually have the best promo people in the world. I don't think any of the best promo people come from professional wrestling. I think if you ask me, you know, The Rock is probably the greatest promo guy of all time. Um, but I feel like he would get his ass handed to him by even the most rank amateur of guys on the hip hop scene uh, if they were to go at it. So. And people ask me about promos, and I know we did that one recently there where we looked at some, you know, Sasha Banks promos. Yeah, yeah, Promo
2: and, uh, 101. That was a great episode, great episode, yeah.
1: We definitely, <laughs> definitely should do that again.
2: Absolutely. Um, but yeah,
1: I, I think that, you know, like I said, I like to, to draw on reality, and I like to draw on other sources of inspiration for promos because if you just look within wrestling, it's such a, a small little bubble, and so many people get bogged down looking at it from the wrestling perspective. I look at everything from the outside perspective. And I think that when it comes down to it, you can't limit yourself. And that's just me wanting to give some advice to people out there. Don't limit yourself to just wrestling. You know, sometimes when you want to study things for wrestling, why just study wrestling? Study, you know, fight choreography. Study, like, martial arts movies. It's the same thing like wrestling. We're doing the same job, you know, and you'll see things, and you'll see different uh, aspects of fighting, Uh, even, you know, watching mixed martial arts, watching traditional martial arts. Uh, this is where I I get a lot of things from is that I don't just limit myself to wrestling in terms of promos, in terms of actual athleticism and wrestling. I look outside the box and I see things and then I incorporate it into what I do. So, um, yeah, you know, if you guys are looking at Jeremy Proffey, you're like, why is he the way he is? It's because like, look, I'm not just a wrestler. I'm a, I'm a Renaissance man, if you will.
2: Absolutely. And I could not agree with you more about comedy and about, like, I still quote, I still talk about that promo one-on-one episode all the time, where you called Kyle a hermaphrodite Mr. Potato Head. I still fucking
1: laugh my ass off. Yeah,
2: yeah, and, and it's true. (laughs) (laughs) so let's talk let's talk Jacques Rougeau let's talk Wrestling Academy Uh, I mean you know uh, what what can you say about Jacques Rougeau I mean everybody who was a a fan in the 80s knows the Mountie they know the fabulous Rougeaus we know how great those guys are and what they bring to the table especially Jacques Rougeau now obviously um, I mean me being a Kevin Owens fan I bought the documentary I watched the documentary there were some things that were obviously spoken about how Rougeau may have held back some of his students earlier on but I know that's not the case now and i think his fight for the hall of fame is justified i think he deserves to be at least in the running for the hall of fame because he was a big representation especially in that era i mean one of my favorite matches of all time i think he was fighting roddy piper and it was there's a part where he's getting arrested he's like i'm the Mountie." (laughs) it was just gold it was gold but what's your what's your i mean the thought process on wrestling academy and everything that rougeau is doing now trying to i guess re not reinvent the wheel but kind of relift that Quebec scene that people need to have more eyes on. And I think a representation like a Rougeau, like a PCO, puts more eyes on that product that's out there. It's rightfully deserved.
1: Yep. So one of the things I've been very outspoken about is that there are a lot of people who make it and they don't give back. So, you know, I'm not gonna name it, uncharacteristic of me, but I'm not gonna name any names, quite frankly, because there'd be too many to name because I'd have to name 99% of the people who make it from Canada, And don't help their fellow Canadians get there. They kind of get on the gravy train, take all they can get, and don't think to do anything to help the guys who are still back here running the same race like they are and not being able to achieve the same level of success for X, Y, and Z reasons. One of the reasons why I want to make it is because this whole crusade has been, I am not going to follow the stereotypes. I'm not going to follow the status quo of going and wrestling illegally in the States, gaining merits there and getting picked up by a company. And then, okay, I made it. So, you know, good for me. Um, I'm not selfish like that. I want to show that you can wrestle in Canada. You can do it in your own country and be successful and make it to one of those companies, make them look at you. And then once they see that one person, then they'll say, you know what, we should scout this scene because if we found a guy this good, if there was this much of a diamond hidden in the rough in Canada, there must be other guys like him. So that's what my crusade is, to make it, to show people that scouting is absolutely atrocious and piss poor in wrestling and that they missed a can't-miss prospect because they haven't been looking at the place and scrutinizing it enough. That's what my goal is. Um, like I said, I want to be the Jackie Robinson of Canadian wrestling. And, you know, some people want to dispute that and say, oh, well, you know, there have already been Canadians that have made it and whatnot. Yeah, but they made it doing it the American way. I want to make it doing it the Canadian way. And then that way it'll open up the path for others. So guys make it, they don't give back. Now, Jacques and Kevin, I got to touch on that because Jacques issues with Kevin and Kevin's issues with Jacques, that's not my relationship with Jacques. I can't speak to what went on with those two because there was only two weeks of overlap between me joining Jacques Rougeau's school and Kevin leaving. I met him literally once there. I have a bit of an awkward relationship with Kevin because Kevin and I, we've had ups and downs. We didn't talk a lot, barely wrestled each other. Uh, I would have liked to have wrestled him more, but we had, you know, pleasant interactions, respectful interactions. We were, uh, we teamed once. We wrestled in a triple threat and we wrestled in a triple threat tag team match. That's all the work that we did together um we had some words we almost got into a fight i was i was ready to you know beat the brakes off of him kick him in his bad knees gouge his eye out whatever i needed to do we were about to fight and throw down didn't happen we end up walking out of that i think with respect for each other and that was the end of it last time i even spoke to kevin was when he had just done his wwe tryouts and i said you know i wish you good luck i think you have a good chance of making it and that was pretty much it so I, i don't really have any hatred or any kind of uh anything negative to say against Kevin. I think all those issues are in the past. If he has any issues with me, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. It's not like a Sami Zayn situation where I have absolutely no respect for him um, and, and wish him only the worst. But with Kevin, I, I do. I dare say I have respect for him. So his issues with Jacques, they're not my issues with Jacques. That was what went on with him. So I can't speak to that. What I can speak to is my relationship with Jacques, where Jacques was always good to me. Uh, he helped train me. He put me in prominent positions in his company. Uh, My first championship I ever won was in Jacques Wrestling School. And when I decided that I wanted to move on to more, that I wanted to be more than just someone wrestling for Jacques Rougeau's um, de 2000, which was his company, uh, he was fine with it. He looked me in the eye, shook my hand, wished me the best. He could see that I wanted to achieve more and that I wasn't going to be somebody whose career path was going to be just working for his company. Now, again, I don't know if maybe Kevin went about things differently in leaving Jacques. I don't know if Jacques maybe made some promises to Kevin that Kevin felt, uh, you know, weren't going to come true. I can't speak to that. I can only speak to the fact that Jacques always treated me professionally, treated me nice, was always a gentleman to me. Um, For the longest time, I do these interviews. We maybe even spoke about it the first time I was on here with you. And people would ask me about Jacques. And I would only say good things because Jacques was never, like, not even... Once was Jacques ever bad to me or rude to me or anything like that. And so I would say good things about him. And one of the things that always stuck with me was, you know, I wanted to reconnect with Jacques, but never had that opportunity until last year when he came to an IWS event and he mentioned what was going on with Lyft Academy. So when I heard about it right away, that told me, okay, you know, this could be something. This is something that it sounds like it could do a lot of good. Now, at the time, all it was was this competition that was going to have a $5,000 prize for each winner, and that was it. But I could see, okay, this is something that has potential. So I said, I'm going to lend my name and my credibility to this. I'm going to be the first one to join this, and hopefully others will join, because Jacques had a lot of heat. He, Jacques coming back threatens a lot of people. There are a lot of companies that will want to run a smear campaign against them, because Jacques has mainstream appeal here in Quebec. Jacques has achieved a lot, a lot more than a lot of people in Quebec. And for the longest time, people have been lying in the French media and saying that they are the best. These people are the best. All these kinds of things. And now Jacques comes and hits them with a hard dose of reality that he still has a lot of influence and can actually do a lot for a lot of people's careers. So right away, I said, I'm an aggressive guy. You know what? I'm going to take the fight to these people and I'm going to help Jacques to get more people in this competition because the more we get, the better it's going to be. And the more exposure it's going to give all of us that people could be like, Hey, we have all these great wrestlers fighting it out here in Canada for this cash prize. Lo and behold, um, he gets the nightmare factory on board with QT Marshall. And so now originally what it was, was they would get a day tryout at the nightmare factory, which then became a week long tryout. And now has become a three month tryout. So this is exactly the opportunity that I've been talking about that here, the nightmare factory and QT Marshall has taken the opportunity to actively scout talent in Canada and don't take it from me. You could take it from him. In fact, when you put this episode out, I think now might be a good time to show the video because Jacques usually asks that we show the video from QT Marshall where he talks about the competition. So if you can like pause and edit this and uh, put that video in, you know, now would be a good time to check out the video. So you're not just hearing it from Jeremy Prophet, you're hearing it from the man himself, from QT Marshall. So let's go and take a look at that right now. We'll come back.
0: Hey everybody, this is QT Marshall from All Elite Wrestling and one of the owners of one of the best training facilities in the world, the Nightmare Factory. And I wanted to give a quick shout out to Nick who runs a Rise podcast. And this evening has Jacques Rougeau on there. And Jacques has a great project in the works. I'm excited about it. In fact, the Nightmare Factory has even uh, told Mr. Rougeau that the winners of this project will receive a special three month, 12 week scholarship to the Nightmare Factory, which has seen athletes from all over the world come train with us. And and honestly, some have signed contracts with major wrestling organizations in the world, such as AEW and stuff like that. So um, I'm excited for this project. I think it's great for for aspiring professional wrestlers all throughout Canada. Um, I support it and I hope that if all works out well, I'll be able to come up to Montreal and partake in being one of the judges of this of this special project. So good luck to everyone. Just wanted to say hello, just wanted to let everybody know that it is me um, and we are offering this scholarship to the winners. So uh, you can read into it, whatever you want, but you've heard it straight from the horse's mouth. It is true. And again, good luck to everyone and hopefully see you soon. I mean,
2: you're absolutely right. That's That's big news. That's big news. And that's right from QT Marshall's mouth. And I definitely will use that clip as part of the promo package when we drop this episode. And again, I just want to state something. I never was, was asking you to speculate on what the issues with Jacques Joe and Kevin Owens were. I'm just saying from a fan's perspective of Kevin, that's what I took it as. But I also took it as a grain of salt because there's, as you and I both know, there's three sides to every story. There is one side, there's the other side, and somewhere in the middle, somewhere in that middle, there is the 100% truth. And I know yeah. Jacques and you have a great relationship. And like I said, I'm a fan of Jacques. I actually want to reach out to Jacques. So this is actually a segue to now say, Hey man, I've had Jeremy on the show. He can vouch for me twice. He knows how gifted I am at the gap. And also, you know what? Jeremy knows too. When it comes to dimples in Canada, I got the best. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I made you say that. It's okay.
1: (laughs) Definitely, definitely something to be proud of. And uh, you know, you're a little harsh on yourself when it comes to uh, your appearance, but you know, you got a swagger about you, my man. And uh, I think that definitely you always bring it when we're in these interviews. So uh, I will tell Jacques, I will actually tell Jacques, you can hold me to it. I'm saying it here. So the people will hold me to it. If you don't, I will tell Jacques that George has got the goods. He's a great Canadian. He hosts a hell of a show. And I think that he will make a great guest for you. I'm going to do my damnedest to make that happen. Um, but just getting back to the Academy, just to kind of put the, uh, the icing on the cake there. This mm-hmm. is the opportunity that Canadians have been looking for. Uh, I think. And we got Canadians from coast to coast uh, guys from BC guys and women, I should say from BC right out to the Maritimes. And there's going to be four winners, uh, singles tag team and women. So four winners and the winners are now getting the three week, three month tryout scholarship for the nightmare factory. And I tell you, we got a lot of great people in there, but I'm very confident I'm going to win it. And you know, this is not a rigged competition. It's a competition. It's like I said to Jacques, I said, Jacques, just give me a chance. And it's all I ask of any promoter. Just give me a chance. You know, I think everyone deserves a freaking chance when it comes to wrestling. You know, put up or shut up. Like, give a chance. Even if it's a chance to fail, it's at least a chance to say, hey, you had your chance. So, you know, now, now shut the hell up because uh, you had your chance and you suck. Or, hey, you know what? You had your chance and we were wrong. You, you, you were right. So that's why I feel everyone deserves a chance. Give me a chance. And any of those companies you talked about there in Ontario, just give me a chance and I'll show you that I am everything I say I am. I will go in there and I go in guns blazing. I go in to show up everybody on the roster. I go in to change the game. And just like with the Academy, I'm going in, I'm in there for blood. Like I don't care who's in there because I'm in the competition. I am the odds on favor, not just because I say I am, but because you will know that I am when you see me in there. These people haven't been working as long at this. They haven't been working as hard at this. I'm sorry, you've been doing this for eight years and doing your best. That's that's half the time I've been doing this and I've had no injuries. So if you've had injuries, if you haven't been doing this as long as me, if you don't look like me, you don't talk like me, you don't wrestle like me, you can't do all the things I do. I'm sorry, your chances of winning have just gone down if I'm in there. So a lot of these guys better hope that I enter the tag division. And I think a lot of them will breathe a sigh of relief. A lot of the singles wrestlers if I go in the tag division. I'm undecided. I hey I like doing everything. I might do both and walk away with 10 grand. That's what I would like to do, just to drive the point home. Because it don't bother me to wrestle twice a night. I wrestle twice or three times a night for Emil Dupree on his tour 30 days Sunday to Sunday. So like I said, I'm coming for blood. I am I, I'm as aggressive and as competitive as they come. I'm not someone who sits on my laurels and says, I know I'm talented. I know I'm really good. I'm just going to kind of, you know, I'm going to kind of cruise through this. No, no, I'm going to give 110% all the time, every second, maximize everything. These guys are going to rue the day that I was in this competition. These guys are going to wish that I was maybe born 10 years later so that they didn't have to be born in the same generation and have to compete against me. I'm, I'm going to win this with an exclamation point. I'm going I'm to batter abused, bloody, I'm, I'm the kind of, I'll do whatever I have to do. I'll, I'll go slash your tires so they don't even make it to the show if I have to. I am a bloodthirsty, competitive individual who hates to lose and that's why I don't lose. I fight until I win. And Lute Academy is what I've been looking for. It's what we've all needed. And win, lose, or draw, it's gonna give us the exposure that we need. And it's nice to see someone like Jacques Rougeau, who is actually using his fame and his credibility to help the next generation. And I wish more people would do it. If we could get more great Canadians on board with this, who've achieved things, this is what we need. This is our, this is our NXT Canada. This is our, uh, this is it. This is like our CMLL, our AAA. This is our thing where the big companies will finally take a look. And whether you win or not, I think it's gonna put the attention on everyone who participates and I think they'll be able to uncover and unearth more diamonds in the rough. I have high hopes for this uh, wrestling Academy and folks, you can check it out at wrestling-academy.ca or academy, uh, .ca. you can see everything on there. You can see all the great competitors, men, women, tag teams, all of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, without being braggadocious, you're looking at the odds on favorite and you're looking at the person who's going to walk into the nightmare factory and going to shake things up. Not some guy who's going to go there and they're going to need to polish him up. They're going to need to learn a few things. No, you're looking at the guy who's going to walk in there and he's going to say, look, where's Hangman Page? I I want to rip his head off and spit down his throat. That's what I want. So you're looking at someone who's going to walk in there and show them I'm the main eventer they've been missing out on.
2: Absolutely. 150% cannot agree. And uh, you're absolutely right. And I will make sure that we put that web address in the bio of this episode when it does drop. And I think that's a great way to end this conversation. But as always, you know, we play a game here on Straight Talk Wrestling. I got a new game. Are you interested in it?
1: Uh, Of course. Yeah, let's do it.
2: All right. So I call this game Forced Mount Rushmore. And it's real simple. I'm going to name five wrestlers, random of my own choosing, forcing you to place them one worst five best so it's worst to best and that's where you're going to rank them and i'm just going to throw out five wrestlers some you may be fan of some you may not be a fan of but you're going to list them but i'm going to give you the wrestlers to list are you ready
1: yeah i I always love when you give me a a license to bury people so let's let's do it
2: (laughs) well that's what we do baby that's what we do all right here we go and my five wrestlers for you are i'm going to throw out some that we. I
1: i would say i would say this when it comes to burying people
2: I'm the freaking Undertaker. The Canadian Undertaker. I love it. You You gotta put that on a shirt, baby. I would buy that in a heartbeat, man. I would, I would. All right, here we go. Five wrestlers. Now, some we've spoken about in this episode, so it's gonna be really easy for a couple of them. So, not in any order. Bobby Lashley is one, okay? The next one I'm gonna throw out there is Jacques Rougeau. The next one I'm gonna throw out there is somebody that I know you admire, AJ Styles. Another one I'm gonna throw out there that I don't know if you're a fan of or not Will Ospreay and rounding out the five wrestlers. I am going to give you somebody who I am a fan of. And I believe is, is one of the bright spots of the business and in AEW, and That's Darby Allen. So those five wrestlers, there, ranking them best or sorry, worst to best go.
1: So we start with the worst or we start with the best.
2: We start with the worst. So number one would be the worst out of those five. I gave you. <clears throat> so that,
1: that's, that's an easy one. That'll be Will Ospreay. Easy, easy peasy. Great athlete, great talent. I think I'd probably have a hell of a match with him, which leads into the next one, which would be Darby. I appreciate that Darby will put his body on the line uh, in ways that most people won't. He can take a hell of a beating. Um, so, you know, I would have to put him uh, just above Will Osprey because of his ability to take punishment. Um, and I think that, again, I could have a hell of a match with him as well. That will put him at number two. Then I would go with Jacques. Because Jacques, you know, he's done a lot in his career. And uh, I think that Jacques, at the time that he was there, he was very innovative, very entertaining. Um, but it was at a time where the competition wasn't as 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 stiff as it is now. So I'd have to go with the more modern guys towards the uh, latter end of the Mount Rushmore. Um, so then it comes down to AJ or Bobby. So you're really giving me a tough, tough deal there. It's kind of a Sophie's choice. Um, <laughs> So to appraise the two of them, it's tough. I would say that, man, AJ is a story that really, really, I feel is is close to my heart because he's a guy who bet on himself. WWE kind of lowballed him back in like 2012, 2013, something like that. When his TNA contract was up, they lowballed him. And he said he's going to do his own thing, came an even bigger star. And, uh, I love the fact that he was told that like, well, we have a lot of guys like you, we have like Evan Bourne and Seth Rollins. And you know, this is back when they, when they lowballed them and they said like, these guys do all the same moves as you. So, you know, what makes you so special? And he said, you know what, fine. If you guys don't see the value in AJ, I'm going to go become a bigger star. And then they came back, got him when he was even bigger. And then he proved to WWE that there was more to him than just the moves. Uh, AJ, like, and I feel fortunate I was on some shows with them, never got to wrestling, but really would like to because th- I feel that speaks to me because I feel people can look at me and say, oh, well, you know, Jeremy Prophet, we got guys that did do the same stuff as you. I, I did an interview there with uh, with uh, little Stephen there from Steven's Wrestling Journey. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, yeah, so it sounds like you do all the same moves as Aiden Prince. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, but I think we're, we're also very different. That, yeah, I do do all the same stuff as Aiden Prince. But you look at Jeremy Prophet's body of work, you look at the guys I've fought and the fights that I take to them. It's a lot different. By the way, love Aiden Prince. Uh that that's a I recently got the chance to work with him for the first time. It was in a five-way, uh, but would love to get a one-on-one with that boy. Um, with that said, AJ, you know, he showed that, yeah, there are guys that can do what he does, but they can't do all the stuff that AJ does. They can't be AJ Styles, they can't be that pit bull. Um so his underdog story really really resonates with me, plus him being a guy. Roughly around the same size as me, same similar skill set, um, so it's tough. And you know, I love Bobby Lashley, but I got to go with AJ in that fourth spot, and then got to go with the Almighty in the fifth because, like I said, he's a professional in and out of the ring. I mean, that body, that athleticism, and the good attitude, the good human being, the, the, the you know, it, it's just. Bobby Lashley, he's on top for a reason, and he should have been on top a, a long time ago. So I'd go with Bobby Lashley in that fifth spot, the almighty, the boss. And that's perfect. That's right there. Four front rush for, for Sprout Rushmore, Very easy. And you know what? You did a great job. You didn't bury anybody. You had some good and some
2: bad to say. It was perfect. It was perfect. It was poetic. Jeremy Prophet at its finest. And it's a man that I truly believe. You, sir, are a man that I truly believe never turns it off. You live breathe and respect this business as much as I do and like you said you're a fan first your knowledge base is second to none your skill set is second to none and I'm someone who's always pulling for you you know you a member of the straight talk family I don't even got to say it so we are definitely going to set up promo 101 again but we're going to call it the advanced class and maybe we get somebody else in on the action I got a couple ideas that I'll run by you a little bit a little bit a few weeks for sure but before you go my man please shout out your socials to the world and let everyone know where they can follow the journey. That
1: is Jeremy profit. Yep. Well, the best place to follow that journey is on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeremy profit, J E R E M Y P R O P H E T. And Hey, if you want to shoot me a message, you want to tag me in a tweet. It's all good. I'm on Twitter pretty much all the time. I get a notification anytime I'm mentioned, anytime any guys tag me. So I'll be happy to respond. You want to pick my brain on there. You want to book me for an interview. You want to book me for a wrestling show. Anything you want. Twitter's a place to get a hold of me. But you can also find me on Instagram at the real Jeremy Prophets, felt exactly the same way. And you can see me Tuesdays at 7 p.m. on JoFo in the Ring. We're all fighting that uphill battle to get subscribers. So, you know, we want to be able to make sure that people can see our great content. So if you liked what you saw here today, first of all, you got to subscribe to my man, George. Because if you're watching this content and you're not subscribed, what the hell's wrong with you? It takes literally two seconds to do click that button. You will not regret it. Help this man get his subscribers up and then go subscribe to Joko in the ring as well, where we will provide you with great interviews. We'll provide you with entertaining moments. We will give you the best of us and we hope for the best of you in exchange. So retweet, comment, like all of those things. It don't take long to do. It's just, you know, a way of saying thank you. And it helps us out. It helps us grow this community and, It helps us be able to engage with fans around the world because we're fans, just like your fans. That's my favorite part about doing this is getting to talk. My favorite thing in the world, professional wrestling with people from other parts of the world. And it don't matter what walk of life you're from, what race you are wrestling brings us all together. And I think that that is the best thing about this business. So please support, like, let us know what you want to see and continue to support great content creators like George, like myself, like all of us, because without you, we're nothing. 150%, I couldn't have said it
2: better myself. I should have just stepped off camera and let you talk. It would have been better that way, I think. No, but my man, you know, you're my brother, you're my friend, you're somebody I I respect and admire so much in this business. And I always love these chats that we have. And, uh, you know, we're going to do it again down the line, because like I said, you family, first and foremost. So like the man said, subscribe to Straight Talk, subscribe to Joe Fo. follow the journey that is. All my link tree information is in all my profiles. But just to be a glutton for self-promotion, at underscore Straight Talk on Twitter, Straight Talk Wrestling on Instagram and Facebook. And again, Straight Talk Wrestling on YouTube. And like he said, I just did the sound for you. It takes one second guys click the subscribe button turn on notifications and you get to see all of me and the future of podcasting the mini host and everything we do peace love and wrestling see you next time Peace.
0: Leaving the scene With no trace Not in my lead You out of place I'm not at the top I'm span space can with us We're out of place I'm doing fine I'm feeling great You're not my fan You can't relate Straight I'm going State to state